C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Camp Wow. I'm the Resident Youth. (laughs) Maddie, you're Maddie, you're trying to move up in the world. I I know. I was going to be like, I'm the Camp Adulthood. Wow. (laughs) And who are you? I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. So profesh. Um, It's just us. Jib jabbing away. Friendship magic every day. I know. And after this, I guess I should say, because this is going to be released this weekend, after this, we're taking two weeks off to enjoy the fabulous holidays. Are you doing anything fun for the holidays, Shay? I am. I'm going to uh, my dad's house in Colorado, which I'm very excited about. Taking It'll be very picturesque, very winter wonderland. Is sweet young David going with you? And sweet young David is going with me, and we're going to do many activities, including maybe snowshoeing, and I'm very excited. That sounds very cute. I want lots of pictures. Thank Um, you. What are you up to? I'm going to uh, Dallas to meet Corey's family and friends for Christmas. And then for New Year's. Is this your first Christmas away from your parents? It is. It is. Oh, baby Maddie. I know. It'll be it'll be a time. I will miss them for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but we're gonna do a nice FaceTime present exchange, so that'll be fun. Cute, love um, it. And I feel I mean Thanksgiving and Christmas. Not I would love to see my parents. My mom's gonna listen to this, and she's gonna be like, "You don't want to see me." I do, but like Thanksgiving just happened, and I'm spending a week with my parents in April, and mm-hmm. Corey's gonna go. We're going to Florida, and then they'll i'm sure they'll plan a trip to new york like sometime in the spring or fall plus i'm going home over the summer so and i talk to them like every week so i'm like well we can deal i think this is this is actually just to bring it back to the theme of the podcast i think this is a really interesting like millennial problem because i love how i asked like oh is this your first christmas away from your parents i've never spent a christmas away from my (laughs) you know well i spent away from my mom but i've never spent one away from my dad and um like yeah it's definitely different interesting it's different and i think but because millennials you know do tend to have these really tight relationships with their parents um you know it's a little bit more difficult to make that transition because i've even been thinking about that you know as i get old you know probably within the next couple years i may you know have my own christmas and start that because it's you know hard to travel with little ones or whatever so yeah I don't know. I think it's. I think it's definitely. No, it's true. Definitely tricky. So definitely, that is a millennial. It is. It's a millennial predicament. Even like yeah. so. Last year, I hosted Thanksgiving at my my place. I had ten people in my apartment, and um, it was all friends that were in New York, and it, it was really great. It was a great. That was my first Thanksgiving, not at home with my parents and my family. And I love Thanksgiving mostly because so this is another like hot take. Not to get too off the rails, but I I enjoy I enjoy the spirit of Christmas. Buying gifts for so many people at once is very stressful. Like I enjoy Agreed. 
Like if it was like, you know, it's Shay's birthday. I'm going to buy Shay a birthday gift. I have time leading up to your birthday to think of the perfect gift, go to the store, buy one gift, and then wrap it and then give it to you. But when it's Christmas, it's like everyone in your life within a two-week span, it's so difficult. And so I get very stressed. And so I'm like, Thanksgiving is... It's the same reason why I like 4th of July. I'm like, it's non-denominational. Everyone celebrates it. There's Mm -hmm. food-related things. And when I spent Thanksgiving here, and I worked last year, the day after Thanksgiving, which sucked. Like, we'll never do that again. I think that should be illegal. I know. Well, now my new company gives the Thursday of Thanksgiving and the Friday after off work, which my old company company did not. I know. Yeah. Um, But I was like, I don't want to spend Thanksgiving at home or, like, at my home in New York again. So I made a point to go home to Michigan for Thanksgiving this year. But, you know, I'm open to the possibility of Christmas. I've never been to Dallas. I've never, you know, spent time with Corey's family over a holiday and stuff. So I'm like, maybe they have really great traditions and things like that. Not that my family doesn't, but, you know, I'm open to the possibility. But it is still bittersweet, especially because, like, my mom's whole entire family is going to San Francisco. So they'll all be together. Um but, you know, I'm kind of used to, like, living alone. I think it would be different if I lived in Michigan and saw them all the time and then was leaving yeah. for the holiday. But anywho, yeah. so we will be back okay. in two weeks with many exciting awesome. guests. Many exciting guests. And possible, uh, you know, it's a new year, new year, new pod. Um, you know, might have new merch, might have new ways to support us financially. Who knows? Yeah. TBD. Who knows? Who knows? Can you believe we started this in 2017 and now it's going to be 2019? I know. That's crazy. We have 71 that's episodes. Crazy. Wow. We're awesome. Can you think? If I do say so myself. Someone could sit there yeah. and listen to us for like how many days is 71 hours? Like three days straight? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Well, Shay. So Maddie. Oh, yes. I was going to ask you if you have a millennial moment of the week. I do have a millennial moment. Uh, first of all, as usual, I want to talk about my snacks today. Love it. Um, I woke up. I had half of a sub from Jimmy John's that I did not eat yesterday because my new thing is trying to just eat half of everything. But then I was out <laughs> running a lot of errands and I, like I usually do, throw a couple granola bars and an apple in my bag. And I'm like, this is fine. Well, of course, I ate those. And then I got back at like 3.30 before I was going to talk with you. So I thought a really good snack would be a bunch of potato chips and cheese. So I was like relatively eating healthy and then it all went down the toilet. Uh, not literally yet. This is <laughs> going to be <laughs> We'll have David do myself. some investigation. Ew! Anyway. <laughs> He'll laugh. So He's chuckling to himself my- right now in his car <laughs> mowing the lawn or whatever he does while listening to this podcast. Uh, it's true he said Um, he had to listen to it on one and a half because he was catching up anyway so my actual millennial moment though is my new favorite way to troll social media love it um is i like to post uh pictures of benson on my instagram stories and i like to say something like isn't she the cutest dog ever and then (laughs) something the one side will be like clearly she's an angel and then the other one will be like no she's a beast and then (laughs) i like to get fake mad at people i mean i don't say anything i just do it in my heart but i like to get fake mad at people who like 
pick the negative one, even though it's like clearly a joke. But it's always very funny to me to see like who picks the positive one and who picks the negative one. And um, it cracks me up. And it is how I entertain myself throughout these cold winter months. Um, I love both of those. I have some things related to both. So the food one um, at work, everyone who interacts with like a vendor or something has been getting all these holiday gift boxes like one per hour they've just been coming at us and god i miss that oh it is this is my first real experience with it because i wasn't really in a vendor facing role at my old job it is wild so the way that like where my desk is at work it's like a weird it's like a reception desk turned real desk shay's been to my office it's like a weird setup um and so like from where they drop the mail off to where like the actual like receptionist office manager is like is right by my desk so like she'll just get packages and she's like I don't know who this person is I don't know what this vendor is and she'll just open them up and so I'm like first line to like see what's happening so today there was a smoked salmon situation and then like an entire box of york peppermint patty showed up and then yes there were these interesting parmesan crisps that came Mm -hmm. and then also some pomegranate chocolates it was just a weird assortment of foods it was so good and And you ate them all i ate them all and honestly like i haven't had dinner yet it's 7 49 p.m if you're following along at home and i don't even feel hungry because i had so many afternoon snacks not healthy at all um so that's one thing The second thing about Benson is that sweet friend of the pod, Corey, was laying in bed last night and he was scrolling through Instagram as one does. And he came across one of uh, Shay's uh, Instagram stories that she was talking about. And it was of Benson. And it was about her knocking over the Christmas tree. And the option was either clearly she knocked over the Christmas tree or no, she could never because she's a sweet angel. And most people chose the negative option and (laughs) Corey chose the positive option. And he was like, who are all these people that would think that Benson's a bad dog because Benson's an angel? And then he proceeded to go through Shay's Instagram and look at all the pictures of Benson and he would show them to me. (laughs) And he was like, look at the sweet baby angel. So this is what I do on my spare time. Well, she is a sweet baby angel. And uh, thank you, Corey, for your continued support of Benson, official mascot of the pod. Yes. I look forward to I just to made when... her the official mascot right no, now. No, I love it. I mean, she was our Twitter photo for like a year because I was oh, too lazy to change it. Um, I like it. Yeah, no, I feel like once Corey comes to Oregon and he sees Benson again, it's going to be it's going to be a time. It's going to be. Yeah. We're going to have to make sure they like meet up outside so she doesn't pee on the floor because that's what the couple times like because she's very funny because she like remembers everybody from New York. So when people have come to visit like I forget what she did Maddie when you came but when Jen came she like launched herself down like two flights of stairs like and into Jen's arms and I was like they're both going to die. Yeah. Benson's going to break her neck and poor tiny little Jen is going to die under the impact of 30 pounds of dog flying down the stairs at 30 miles an hour. That's true. Um, so, uh, and then when my friend uh, Laura came, she peed all over the carpet and I was like, cause she was so excited and she just couldn't hold it. And I was like, this is problematic. Yeah. So she just has so many supporters. Um, I know. True. All right. Moving on. Uh, 
my millennial moment is this is kind of it's a quick one um i've been reading at the recommendation and i'm loaning her book for my coworker, um michelle obama's new book oh, i want to read it yeah would recommend it's my first time reading because i feel it's it's kind of like a trope at this point it's like you get out of office or you're the first lady whatever and then you write a book and you know it's the same way like Hillary Clinton wrote a book. Barack Obama's wrote multiple books. Like, everyone writes a book. Like, the mm-hmm. Bush twins wrote a book. Laura Bu- Bush has written a book. George Bush has written a book. Like, everyone writes a book. And it's like, okay, like, can we not? But I will say, so usually I avoid them because I'm like, this is probably not going to be super interesting and probably biased to make you look good. So there might be a little bit of that in this book. But I really feel like what it does really well is show how... Like, it makes me feel kind of sad for Michelle Obama. Like, obviously, she's she's made she made the choice to like professionally be Barack Obama's wife for most of her career at this point. But like, she's so smart. She went to Princeton. She went to Harvard Law. She clerked. She's actually she was more advanced in her career. Like the way she and Barack. I don't know if you know this. If you already do, I let do me not. know. But she and Barack met because he was her intern at a law office so she was actually more established i did know this only because i went to a parody of charles dickinson's uh dickinson's charles dickens uh christmas carol this weekend and they had a whole spoof about it about how uh you know he was her intern yeah so she kind of started out ahead and she kind of has a more traditional upbringing than barack and i'm just like not that being first lady isn't an accomplishment, and I think she definitely used the role in a way that maybe previous first ladies hadn't or in a different way. She kind of made it her own, and she has done good in the world. But mm-hmm. it just makes me sad, and I'm at the part of the book, I haven't finished it, but I'm at the part of the book where they're starting the general election and just the sacrifice to, like, her personal life and the kids and, like, the attacks that they've gotten and the way that their life turned upside down and, like, the stress on her marriage. Yeah. I'm like... You are a saint. And she's very open. Like, throughout the book, she was like, they didn't think that he was going to win. Like, he was down in the polls to Hillary, like, up until the end, basically. Yeah. And then even in the general, it was, like, kind of a toss-up for a lot of it. So, like, Mm -hmm. to give up your entire life and be open to that kind of scrutiny, to think that you're going to lose, and then you have to go back to, like, regular life after that yeah is crazy and i just wonder what would have happened like if it was reversed like if she wanted to run which i don't think she wanted that like it doesn't seem that way from the book but like yeah. she's just given so much emotional labor to him and to this process and you know she's gotten a lot of accolades for it but i just think about all the women that have done this like throughout history in america both mm-hmm. on a big level like that and just a small level of like women are just so much more willing to be like, yep, okay, I love you, and that's all I need in terms of faith to, like, uproot my life. And men are not willing to do it. Exactly. And I think, you know, this is why I'm, I think, fascinated by first ladies and by women of history. And, you know, I think in recent times, like, I love that um, Joe Biden, Vice President Biden's wife, is always Dr. Jill Biden. Like, she's very adamant about always being addressed by that honorific because she worked really hard and, and, you know, and she deserves it. But, you know, this is, 
it's interesting to me that this is still our the life of our first ladies, you know, 200 odd years later. I mean, she's not having so much of a different experience than Abigail Adams, you know, like no, she's true. still... Look at Melania Trump. Like she, get, yeah. she got shit on the other day because she put, which I thought they looked fine, red Christmas trees in the White House. It's like, that's the lady's only job. Her only job description yeah. is decorating the White House. Like, let her have a break for this one time. Yeah. You know? And if it's she like, wants freaking red christmas tree let her have a red christmas tree like it was fine it's like she didn't pick it and she probably similar to michelle obama never thought her husband would win and she was like i'll just go back to my normal life but like she thought she would be having mimosas at the plaza with her other socialite friends and then she's like god damn it now i gotta go be the first lady and And i'm really bad at it we're just yeah and we're just shitting all over her i don't know i just feel like it's the being the first lady is a thankless job but it's like I feel like every woman in a relationship is the first lady of that relationship, and it's yes. never the opposite. Emotional and labor. I've talked true. about this before. It's true, yeah. So. And that's why I'm kind, I'm hoping that in my lifetime I'll see the first female president just to see ooh, ooh. what that shift looks like. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Agreed. I Agreed. But anyways. Agreed. Um, I love that. Do you have a hot topic for us, Shay? I do. I do have a toasty campfire topic. I uh, was reading in The Atlantic. Um, I was drawn to this article. It's by a guy named James Hamblin, and it's called The Art of Woke Wellness. And it's really, um, you know, it, it talks about a festival put on by the people who do the Wanderlust Festival, which is like a day long fitness event. But this is like a whole weekend and it's very expensive and it's all these millennials and there's a lot of celebrities and blah, blah, blah. And I just thought it was an interesting article, mostly because the guy looked at it in a very kind of balanced way. Um, But also, you know, and at the end, he says, you know, the reason that people want to do this are not even so much because they're so into whatever she she fad is going on right now, although that's still um, does grab a lot of attention and that's how they get people in. But once people are there, they're there because they're searching for community. And it's so interesting to me that for millennials um, and those younger than us and, you know, those slightly older than us, that there is just this constant craving for a community and that we are willing to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to have it artificially manufactured. And I, I'm not somebody that I think all of these conferences and retreats and festivals, like I think it's awesome that people do them and I know they can only, you know, appeal to a certain clientele, but you know, people should be able to build what they want and I support that. Um, But again, I think it's really interesting. Um, Anyway, he says here, let me just read it. He said, um, At the opening social event, I made conversation by asking people what had brought them to the festival, which mostly featured things available in most metropolitan areas and sessions of the sort that can be viewed online. I thought that constituted small talk. By the end, I realized it was not. Many people had come for reasons that run deep. I went to the desert wary of the worst side of the wellness movement as an elitist industry that preys on the very human desire to feel like we're getting ahead of others. But the more I talked to people, the more I realized that the attendees were largely aware of the problems and wanted to get back to a distilled notion of why people have long come to love wellness trends and fads, the promise of connection. Um, So anyway, I just thought that was very striking and I wanted to share that with you and our listeners. Yeah, that's very interesting. I definitely want to read that. And I think part of it, and I don't know, like we've talked a lot over 
the past couple episodes, I feel, about this millennial need for connection and going to these kind of big conferences and retreats and things like that. And I wonder, you know, to try to get to the root of that, if it's something specific to the millennial psychology or if it's something in the environment, like, you know, I was talking to someone recently and they were like, well, what, what is like the higher purpose? Like a lot of millennials aren't religious, for example. So like people of previous generations found that connection in religion, which, you know, sometimes it's low cost, sometimes it's not, but it's something Mm -hmm. that's weekly. And oftentimes there are like retreat aspects or bigger event aspects to religion that I think was open to the greatest generation and baby boomers in a way that's different now. And I feel like, you know, to some millennials, like the religious aspect still exists, but it's almost like parallel lanes to like what you're talking about. It's like you could go to the wellness retreat or you could go to like the Hillsong retreat and have the same Mm -hmm. experience. It's it's like everything's just kind of like at the same level. And if you look at it that way, I think people look down on these retreats because they think it's very superficial, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and they cost a lot of money. But at the same time, like if you're going to your church retreat, but you give 10% of your income to the church, that's way more expensive if you think about it that way. I also think part of the reason people are searching for these, I mean, pathways to community are because our literal communities are built so differently than they were, gosh, even 50 years ago. And I think they're, you know, and again, I didn't really realize this until I was living in suburbia, because I feel like in New York, especially if you, like I did, live in the same apartment for seven, six years in the same neighborhood for six and a half, like you do come to create kind of that traditional community. And that's also something that I had growing up in a very, very small town, um, you had a community that was built around church and school um, and the town itself. And now living in suburbia, like I, you know, the suburb I live in is, is very lovely. It's super beautiful, but there's not a place, you know, we don't have a main street where you can just go have a coffee and like wave at somebody. And I, and I think saying this is not me having a naive view of what communities in America were. I think there was a lot of issues with them. Certainly, you know, all types of segregation and classism, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there is something to be said that we don't congregate in the same ways anymore, especially if you live outside of a major metropolitan area or a very small city, uh, like most of us, you know, do live outside of those types of areas. So um, I think people are really just searching for any way to find community. And especially as this kind of like lack of community is even seeping into uh, certainly the larger urban areas, because uh, we hear that in New York all the time. I'm lonely. I can't make friends. Where's my community? And then you see it in the smaller communities as you know their population decreases. So um, I don't know. Like you said, I feel like any place, as long as people know what they're getting, I say spend your money on whatever you want. And if you can build a community that resonates with you, go for it. Yeah, I think that's a good point that you made about suburbia. Like suburbia is definitely an underserved market like I think there's a little bit of like fetish like people think of small towns as like a fetish of like everyone knows each other and it's so great yeah um and that's something that you we've talked about this on previous episodes about millennials returning to the small town and really trying to like revitalize that and millennials Mm -hmm. kind of shying away from suburbia and I think part of it is that community aspect like I've thought about that for myself like yeah you know 
I grew up in what is like total suburbia and it's great and I loved my upbringing, but I yeah. I see and I talk to my friends that have stayed in that suburb or moved to suburbs of other cities and their experience is yeah. totally different. And even New York, like it can be very lonely. I, I think it's more independent than lonely, but that's a tangent for another time. I agree, um, yeah. But there's so yeah. many opportunities. Like we were talking with Lily, like the joy list, like all these other things. Like I was texting you about the girls mm-hmm. in the city page, like because it is such a thing and people think like, okay, if I'm going to start a list of events or a newsletter program or something like big metropolitan areas, like New York is a great way to do it. So that's yeah. a pretty served market in terms of finding things to do and finding these conferences and these different events. Um, and then the small mm-hmm. town thing is just kind of baked in. But I definitely agree that suburbia is an underserved market and i think it has to do with the fact and now we're getting off on a real tangent so i will (laughs) clip this in a minute but i think it has to do that a lot of suburbia wasn't very well planned um because it doesn't it doesn't have a great central hub because i plan to be like you sit in your house that's like if you look at advertising from the community Yeah. yeah totally Exactly. It's like you go out in the city with your friends after work and then you go home to be with your family. That's like what they were meant to be. Totally. And I think, you know, when you look and I'm just fascinated by this. So if you look at my suburb, it's very much like that. It's a bedroom community. But where former guests of the pod, Chris and Christian live is, you know, you can see that it's built around the bones of an older town. So there is a very beautiful little downtown area where people can, again, meet at the library, meet at the little performing arts center, meet at the um, coffee shop. And again, just having that creates a much better sense of community than even though, again, I love where I live. I think I have every amenity, um, but there's nothing, there's no coming together to grow as a community. So that is that. Moving on. Interesting. Do you have any other topics or should we go to the practice tent? Um, I do have one topic. It's more of just like oh, a recommendation because it it's re- it's a really long article, but I thought it was really good and all-encompassing. So Rolling Stone um, in October published something called the Millennial 100. And I'll just read the kind Ooh. of the preface to it. It's really cool if you're, you know, sipping your coffee on a Sunday to like look through and see like what applies to you and what doesn't. Um, but it says from Beyonce to Bernie Sanders, we look back at the people, the music, the cultural touchstones, the movements and more that have helped shape a generation. And then I'll just read a little bit more. What defines a millennial? We've been called Generation Me for our presumed narcissism and the Peter Pan generation for our delayed adulthood. We've been accused of killing entire industries like department stores and chained restaurants. But the only thing that may really define a millennial is that we're indefinable. For people born between 1980 and 1995, our lives have been marked by some of the fastest moving shifts in the world's economy, political landscape, and culture. We were radicalized by profound tragedies like 9-11 and Hurricane Katrina, as well as the never-ending wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. We were stung by the financial crisis in 2008, just as many millennials began to enter the workforce, and we're still facing the fallout. And of course, we're the last generation to witness life before and after the dawn of the internet age. So I thought that was like a nice little synopsis um, of this podcast and kind of some things for the older and younger side. And so there's, you know, a little bit more preamble, but then it goes through 100 things and there's a picture and then kind of a paragraph of things that Mm -hmm. define the millennial generation. Some of them are, like it said, political and cultural. Some of them are like pop culture stuff. So number one thing is MTV's TRL. 
I don't know if Shay, you were <laughs> a fan of that. It kind of ended before me. Um, I wasn't really allowed to watch it clearly, but I did see it from time yeah. to time. Another thing is John Stewart on The Daily Show, American Idol, yeah, um, the 2008 financial collapse, Sex in the City, mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter music or movement, um, Drake, LOL, um, Titanic, wheelchair Jimmy needs to just stop. I know. Sorry, he is number nine, so he's really up there. Um, Rihanna, SpongeBob SquarePants is number thirteen. Uh, of course he is. Losing Amy he Winehouse. And Drake, I'll never be well of them. Read yeah. Of them. Um, some SNL stuff, video sharing like YouTube started, um, video games, Mariah mm-hmm. Carey, Neopets, the Olsen twins, pop punk. So there's something for everyone. I highly recommend. We'll link to it. Um, but I had a really fun time scrolling through and having some nostalgia moments and then also feeling more connected to the ancient millennials of things that I was like, this was before my time. So I love you'll this. Have fun. Excellent. I just found it. I'm going to look at that later. Yeah. Excellent toasty campfire topic. I like yeah. it. Shall we do some questions? Some questions. I feel like we're almost done now, at this point. I think we are. And I'm telling you, the next list of questions I have is much superior. Um, right. <laughs> so did we do when did you last cry in front of another person? I don't think so. Did we do share and embarrass with your yes, partner? Yes, we did the embarrassing embarrass- moment. Okay. Okay, so uh, number 30. When did you last cry in front of another person? And when did you last cry by yourself? I'm trying to think. Hmm. I think I last cried by myself because I was, like, stressed from work. But I can't remember, oh. like, when exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, the only person I would have cried in front of is Corey because we live together. No, I'll have to think about that. I'm not trying to like um, cut out the answer, but no, I definitely the last person I cried in front of was David. Uh, generally, I'm crying because I'm tired. Yeah. Um. Nice cranky and, moment. Yeah, and I by myself I cried a little bit this morning because I was super annoyed that this client, uh, who was super awesome and I still hope to work with, but she was like a little confused about the <laughs> pricing structure. And she's like, I have to put off. And I was like, and it wasn't even that I was really that upset about the money. I was just like really excited to work with her because <laughs> she's super cool. Actually, we should bring her on the pod as a guest. Um, but I was just like, I was really like, I'd already started like researching and I was just sad because I wanted to work with her. Yeah. So, well, maybe yeah. she'll come back. I hope so. I gave her a payment plan, so we'll see. Oh, great. Um, Okay, number 31. Uh, Tell your partner something that you like about them already. I feel like all the questions are this. Didn't we already do the five compliments? There's a lot of, like, skip. Yeah, we're skipping that one. You can listen to our previous friendship pod if you want to know that one. Yeah, seriously. Maddie and I are obsessed with each other, is all you need to know. Uh, Number 32. What? if anything, is too serious to be joked about. Oh, this is... I'm very fascinated by this, actually. Just in yeah. the, the general zeitgeist, like, Kevin Hart, which he wasn't making jokes or anything, so I think it's different, but in light of him, like, not being um, allowed to host the Oscars or whatever, he stepped down. Um, yeah. Ricky Gervais, actually, who I love, his last stand-up special... He tweeted something to the effect of, like, there's 
nothing too serious to joke about if you're a talented comedian. Obviously, if you're just like a normal person, like making a joke, you will probably not do it very well. But if you're a professional comedian and this is your job and you've developed the skill of comedy and making people laugh, like I agree with him. I don't think there's anything that's too serious to joke about. And sometimes laughter is the best medicine. I agree. I do think most jokes... I have yet to hear a joke about rape or sexual assault that is actually funny oh, or I have, for appropriate. Sure. I have not. So you should share I'll have this with to, me. Yeah. Um, but I think like even like I was. Andrea uh, Allen actually does. I saw her in her EP. Oh. I mean, she I think the best jokes about that kind of stuff come from people who have experienced it. Well, and are exactly. using the comedy as like a way of. Exactly. Like, healing. And yeah. they can talk about what is funny to them. But yeah, I definitely heard a lot of jokes about that that I found funny. And I think that's very true that it depends. Like, for example, a white dude can't joke about how funny racism is. But if you I was watching um, Trevor Noah's newest Netflix special and he's talking about apartheid and it was like fucking hilarious. Um, Yeah. And so I think the funniest stuff is stuff that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I think as a blanket rule, like I know a lot of people that are like, well, you can't you can never joke about such and such thing. Or if you have a joke about this, like you should be blacklisted as a comic. Like, Mm -hmm. no, because I think part of the joy of comedy and just speaking out in general and podcasting, like it's, it's working out ideas live and it's working out ideas in a way that's furthering the conversation. So people might make mistakes and they might talk about something in an insensitive way, but you know, I think people are smart enough to tell when it's ill-intentioned or just a bad joke or something. But yeah, no, I don't think that there's anything like Anthony Jeselnik, actually, if you want to hear like some, he, his last special that's on Netflix, I think it's his last one, Thoughts and Prayers. So Mm. funny. He's like a stereotypical like white guy and all his whole thing is he's like what his, it's called Thoughts and Prayers because it's like when something tragic happens, all people tend to do is they're like, sending you thoughts and prayers and it's like dumb okay like can't we say more than that and so he's kind of trying to like poke fun at at that and he has a series of one-liners like he has jokes about dead babies that are so funny like laugh out loud like i can't admit i i can't lie and say that i didn't laugh like i did they were so funny like i've heard many dead good dead baby jokes i have to say but in real life like Um, that's the saddest thing you know so anyways i think that special is a good example of like excellent comedy about serious things I get. Uh, please hold for one moment while I respond to this text message. Do 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 Oh, she's not done. I have to think of a new song. Sorry. Done. Done. Okay. Great. Number 33. If you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you regret most not having told someone? And why haven't you told them yet? Oh, my God. I uh, have a good answer to this. Oh, okay. Well, then you can start. Well, it makes me sound real self-satisfied, but I'm going <laughs> to say there's nothing. I, you know, like, I... I really, I think I would regret maybe not talking to some of my friends more recently because sometimes I let things lapse, but I'm really good about like telling people that I love them and 
that I appreciate them yeah. kind of even when I'm mad at them. So, you know, <laughs> I feel like I could kill over right now and I feel like everybody in my life would know that I love them. Yeah. And if I do kill over right now, I love you, everybody. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, now we have this podcast, we can say it. Um, I yeah. feel the same way. I don't think I'm like harboring any like secrets or anything that I wish people knew. And, um, you know, I try to make people that I love feel special. And Corey and I have this thing because he has an irrational fear that every day I leave the house, I'm going to die and never come back. That whenever um, he leaves to go in the gym in the morning, he goes to the gym. He always like pokes his head back in the bedroom because I'm always asleep when he leaves. And he's always like, bye, love you. And I'm like, love you too. Um, And then if he comes in, I always like make a noise so that he knows I'm like still there if I'm still in bed when he comes back because it's very early um but yeah we always make sure like in that aspect because you know it is New York like something could happen I could get kidnapped at any moment um yeah but you know I think it's fine all right we have three questions left let's do it let's bang it out okay let's bang it out one of them we're not gonna do okay just telling you now okay okay so two questions left number 34 your house containing everything you own catches fire after saving your loved ones and pets you have time to safely make a final dash to save any one item what would it be and why um this is going to be a real unsentimental answer mostly because i don't like i know a lot of people do i don't really have a lot of sentimentality to like my objects like Mm -hmm. you know like i don't really have like photographs and stuff like that i'm like i don't really need that I would probably if it was just one item I would probably bring my birth certificate because if you don't have any like identification or whatever it's really hard to like rebuild your life after a fire so I'd probably do that like get like my my ID or my passport or my birth certificate or something like that yeah um I think I'm just gonna second that one because I think this kind of says something about me as a human like well first of all and the difference between it a baby millennial and an ancient millennial is that you're probably less concerned about saving photos and stuff because more of your photos are digital that have been taken of you in your life. That's true. But even then, Um, like when I go to my parents' house, it's like, I, like, I know some people are more into it than others, but I've never been that into like, I don't know, maybe when I was younger, like looking through old photos and stuff like that. But now I'm like, it's also like most of my grandparents are dead and stuff like that i mean half of them are the other half are still going um but i'm like that i feel like that's when people get really sentimental is like when someone dies and you're like well we want to like honor their memory and look at their baby photos and stuff like that but it's like honestly this sounds really callous but like once the person's dead and that generation is gone like i don't really need to you know what i mean totally the opposite yeah yeah maybe that's because you know that's good yeah i like i was gonna say so I would want to come back and get the pictures, but right now my whole picture situation is like a nightmare that I keep saying I'm going to, that was like my goal when I moved to Oregon to like go through it all. But it's like everything is everywhere. And then I also have two external hard drives and it's just like such a nightmare. So um, I'm going to say my passport because that was a good point. But if I did have time to to grab one box of pictures. I have a box of vintage photos that my grandmother took in the 30s in New York City when she was a nurse at Bellevue that I think would probably be the most precious to me and my family um, and that are totally irreplaceable. Like I wouldn't be able to scrounge those up from anybody. Uh, so I would come in and get those. Yeah. 
That's good. Yeah, so, I guess some yeah, are quite I like I don't have photos. Yeah, I do, I do too from time to time. I don't have anything that old like in my possession. Like it's still with my parents. Um, but even now, like, even though all my photos are digitally, it's like, I feel like the only time you look at old photos is when you're doing like a retrospective, like if someone dies and you're putting up photos at their funeral or something like that, or like sometimes when someone new comes into the family, you're like, let's look at the old photos. So like this person can become acclimated, which is really nice. But, um, fortunately my mom and she has a lot of siblings too. So like for the older generations, like they're kind of spread out. So that's good like if one person's house burned down they wouldn't all be gone um yeah but yeah that is good yeah I don't know I mean I guess again I may be weird I do just go look at them sometimes but no all right moving on 35 we're skipping 36 is also kind of dumb but I'm gonna read it and then I don't even know how I would answer Mm -hmm. but I'm gonna read it and then you can tell if you want to skip or not okay uh 36 and last question before we move on in the next solo episode to a new list of questions. Uh, share a personal problem and ask your partner's advice on how he or she might handle it. Also, ask your partner to reflect back to you how you seem to be feeling about the problem you have chosen. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, great hmm. if you're using this to actually get to know your partner as opposed to just F around on a podcast, yeah. but <laughs> less good for our purposes. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll skip, but I want, if we skip, can we do the first one from the new set so we're not, like, yes. ending on a dud? Let's I do that. I agree, I agree. Once, a min- once again, give me a minute to find it. Here no we problem. are. Friends and, okay, so um, I think, I don't know if I've talked about her, but I recently started uh, subscribing to this uh, writer. Her name's Alexandra Franzen. And she just, her whole marketing thing is like, she just sends out a newsletter when she wants to. And they're always like really interesting and they have great things. But one thing she does is create these lists of questions. Now, of course, I'm not going to be able to find it and I'm going to be real mad. Um, That's okay. Hold on. Hold on. We are patient. Do, do, do. Do 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 do. Um, boop boop boo. This is good singing. This is like there's a podcast that I listen to, and whenever they do this, they have this like music that's like it's a research break. Do do do. <laughs> Doing things we should have done ahead of time, and it's really funny. <laughs> I love that. Okay, I gotta go to her website because I don't have it, and I'm gonna be annoyed if I can't find it. Oh, I, got go. I got it. I got it. hundred questions to spark conversation and connection. Yeah, we found it at the same time. Love okay. it. Let's go. Uh, oh, these are good. All right. Do you want to ask the first one? Sure. And then we'll maybe we'll do done. like okay. three. Let's do three because these are short. Okay. 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 Right. Are there any household chores you secretly enjoy? Which ones and why? I'll answer this. Um, there are none that I really secretly love. There are some that I enjoy doing better than others, but none that I'm like, oh my god, this is like my pleasurable time doing this activity. I love cleaning out the refrigerator and throwing out food. Oh, my God. I hate that. So that's why it's we're so fun. I don't like actually scrubbing it, but I like taking all the food out and then okay. making someone I else scrub it. it. Horrible. Yeah. All right. Uh-uh. Moving on. Are there any laws or social rules that completely baffle you? Um, 
Yeah. I mean, short answer is yeah. It's just like, which examples? Um, I guess going back to our like comedian conversation, like, I don't think that people should get punished quite as harshly for things that they say. Like, I think you should be held accountable for things that you do to a certain extent. Um, but just like, especially if you have good intentions, like, I don't know. I feel like the tantamount like virtue of free speech is not really as widely held by the common populace as I would like. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I I can't say there's any that really baffle me. There are some that I don't like, um, but yeah, I don't have a good answer for that one. I also think the tax law is like whack. Not to get like too oh, esoteric. I agree. Um, yeah. The way that we pay taxes in this country is whack. I do. Yeah. Um, I, I also think the way that, like, casually, and maybe this is because I look at, like, a lot of, like, feminist stuff or stuff that's, like, woke on the internet, but, like, the casualness that, like, people say, like, men are trash on the internet, like, kind of yes. bothers me. Yes. Um, you know, things like that. I think just the way that people are, like, casual on the internet, like, making jokes, and it's, like, some people get punished, but some people are, like, this is fine. Like, okay. Agreed. Um, Agreed. All right. So the last one. Are you a starter or a finisher? So I'm a starter, and I, I'm i curious to think what you're going to say. <laughs> Which one do you think I am? Maybe this is more interesting. Finisher. I think you're a finisher, and I think that's why we work well together. Yeah. Well, I think, not to toot my own horn, but I think to be a finisher, you also yes, have to girl. be a starter. I think it's both. I agree. You know what I mean? I agree. Because you can't finish something without starting. It's like an oxymoron. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think it's getting it, like, there are definitely some people that start a lot of projects but never quite have follow-through. I think I definitely have follow-through. I think that's a strong suit of mine. Yes. Agreed. 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 Um, these are good. So, I look forward to reading more of these. Yeah. And there's a hundred of them, kids. So, like, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. They're very good. All right, campers, we love you. Have a very, 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 very merry, merry, merry Christmaca. And yeah. we love you. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber, and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.